Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast Show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast Show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast Show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the ToddCast Show. Today I'm joined with Edward. Edward, how are you doing today? Yo, Happy right to be here. I'm amazing. Hey, man, you are amazing. How are you, dude? Nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh, Todd, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I guess nice. it's. Um, I guess it's morning where you are. I guess it's, it, it must be what, like, like yeah. nine a.m. thing. Uh, how about seven twenty, my man? Oh man. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's five p.m. for me. Oh Jesus, where are you located? Um, so I'm from I'm from Brooklyn originally, but uh, for the last like couple of years I've been traveling, and I'm in Eastern Europe. I'm I'm in Romania. Well, the Romanians probably wouldn't like me calling it Eastern Europe. I'm in Europe. I'm in Romania, which is seven hours ahead of EST, ten hours ahead of PST. Uh, so that's cool, uh, yeah. man. Romania. Yeah. How does one end up in Romania, man, without like you know having a vampire in the family? Um, it's actually a pretty crazy story. Uh, Go for it. Yeah, let's jump in. So, um, I ended up living, uh, I lived in Ukraine for two years. And, uh, yeah, I did. I left 10 days before the attack, before the the bombs dropped. Literally, like, um, the airport that I flew out of was hit uh, by a missile 10 days after I flew out of it. Like, that crazy. And um, I thought... Oh yeah, well I got I got lucky and a lot of my friends didn't and uh yeah. thought to them. But um but so I thought like this year was gonna be like the year of stability. I had like a six month lease in Kiev and um I left in I, I started that lease in January and then I left in February and uh I ended up just going from like country to country to country, city to city to city, like I had done before I got to Ukraine. The reason I was in Ukraine for two years to begin with was I got stuck there during COVID. And then when I was presented the choice between going back to New York City, where I'm from, um, like cramming myself onto an onto a, a, a plan, emergency flight to go back to New York during lockdown uh, versus like staying in my apartment in, in Kiev, which is like my second favorite city in the world. New York is my first. My home is my first. Right. Um, I chose I chose Kiev, and uh, and so you know I thought this year was going to be the year of stability, and it wasn't at all. And I went from country to country, city to city, and uh, I ended up in Bucharest, and um, 
after going, I think I went to Munich, then to Tallinn, then to Sofia, and then I came to Bucharest here in Romania. And I, I only had two weeks here before I had to go back to New York. And I'm like, oh my God, this is an amazing city. Like, I mean, I, I could go on. It's just, it was an incredible place and I didn't want to leave. And then when I went back to New York, I'm like, I'm like, shit, I, I want to go back to, yeah. I was, I was like, oh my, I was like, I really want to go back to Bucharest. I, I like the quality of life there a lot. And so um, I came back here after doing three months home in New York. And uh, so I'm calling you from like my penthouse in, in Bucharest. That's so bitchin', dude. Wow, that sounds amazing. You know, the grass seems always greener on the other side, is it? Uh, it's pretty good, man. I'm like, uh, it's, I don't want to shit on New York City too much. You know, it's, it's my home, but... <laughs> Go ahead. You have every right to, my man, because they ruined the city, dude. Like, I mean, I wanted yeah. to talk to you about that when I heard you were from New York. Like, that was one of the questions I had is your perception of the changes and how you feel about all that, you know, because it has gotten kind of out of hand, dude. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just, it's like, a, it, look, I, here in Bucharest, I don't see homeless people taking a shit on the street several times a week. Mm -hmm. Like, um, there isn't, there isn't trash overflowing and, and rats everywhere. Right. Uh, and literally, like, I lived in, like, one of the best neighborhoods in, in New York City. And, like, I literally, like, the type of neighborhood where movie stars moved to. Like, I saw the, the sheriff from Stranger Things. He was just out with his kids with a greasy shirt on having, mm -hmm. uh, having, uh, lunch at some restaurant. And, like, that's, like, like, uh, that's Normal. the type of neighborhood that I'm in. And, um, and even there, rats everywhere, like fucking shit on the streets, like mm -hmm. smells bad. Like there are, there are times where I'm like, oh, this place is very idyllic for sure. And I'm a pretty positive person, but it's just generally like, um, God, like I go to the farmer's market here. I get the, the, the fresh fruits and vegetables from the babushkas, mm -hmm. uh, which is that's like a Eastern European grandma, but I, I like saying that word a lot. But literally it's like grandma selling food that they grew in their gardens and fresh That's meat and amazing really wow uh, the air is so it's so nice so much nicer and um, people are wonderful and there's that whole relaxed European vibe and cool. um, yeah I'm just I, I like so happy here I'm here for another few weeks and then I'm gonna go live in Rome actually for five for five weeks Wow, dude. Um, don't let me get you off track if you were going in a direction or anything, but like, you know, are you what they call a, a modern day vagabond or are you just like an adventure seeking spirit that just can't get enough? Because, dude, that's a lot of moving around in different countries. Like the boldness of that alone seems so amazing. Like what what allows you and motivates you to do that? Yeah, that's um Dude, it was a total accident. Uh, I was the guy who never left New York City. Um, I, uh, I, I like growing up in New York. I went to I, I went to school in Boston for four years, and then I returned to New York. And when all of my friends were traveling, I'm like, I, I, I traveled around the U.S. a little bit, but I never really left the United States. And I'm like, I'm like, why do I have to go see Europe? Like. Or why do I have to go see South America or Asia? Like New York has everybody and everything, and everybody and everybody wants to come to New York. And like New York is the most worldly place. Like why do I have to leave? And then um, I was I, I was about to turn 30. We had had our like first big business success, 
And uh, one of my co-founders for that project left for Frankfurt, and I'm like, okay, I guess like, you know, maybe I'm about to turn 30, maybe I should see it too. I'll probably only be gone for like four months. And that four months was like three consecutive years out of the United States because COVID had happened during that time. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love with this part of the world. And wow. uh, it was totally, like, didn't predict it at all. But, like, I thought I was going to be gone for three to six months. Wow. And so just one thing led to another, and here you are. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, have you been to Europe at all? No, I should. I, I've always wanted to go. My family is originally from Santorini, Greece, and somewhere in France. Oh, like cool. we've got, we got uh, some kind of a connection to Napoleon Bonaparte and some other gentleman named Joachim Mira, and uh, I guess he fought a war and you know the big war in France or whatever. But um, no, dude. Like honestly, I'm afraid to fly. Like I hate flying, man. I'm I'm a big really? chicken. I get sick and. Yo, you want to hear but, something crazy, Todd? Yeah, I was totally. like, I because I I like really rarely traveled before I started traveling, mm-hmm. and on my first transatlantic flight, like I, I had done it when I was 18, but that was that was 11 years before I left New York, and so on my on my like first transatlantic flight in over a decade, man, I was so nervous. I had the craziest butterflies. Like I thought I was gonna throw up, and I'm like, get on the plane, get on the plane, get on the plane, and like. And, and even after that, as I would do flights around Europe, I'm like, what if this flight crashes? Like, oh man, like I'm up, up in the air, like no parachute, like. Yeah. And 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 for the first like I don't know, first like several dozen flights, I was just like a little bit. I was like, it it, it went downhill slowly, but now I feel literally nothing. And I've noticed that, like I I feel the same on an airplane that I then I that I do sitting here talking to you like right now. That's and, amazing. But, yeah, but the first one. The first transatlantic flight, I was I was terrified, actually. That's so crazy, dude. You know what it is for me, man? I'll be honest. Um, I don't think I've ever said this out loud in public, but um, there's two things about it. Like, one is that apparently my equilibrium is a little too uh, much of a control freak because it does not like things that move weird, like roller coasters and things mm. like that. I just can't do it, man. Anything that moves me in an unnatural way, like I just automatically feel out of control and uncomfortable. But the weirdest part about it for me is I had recurring dreams for like two, three years of me dying in an airplane. And I'm telling you what, like I've seen it. I can still see it right now, like a couple of visions from it and just really weird, terrible things. I had no reason to fear it. I've been on planes and never had an accident, you know, but for some strange reason, it's just one of those things. It's like I, I, I'm fairly sure that that would be one of the easy ways out. You know what I mean? Like if you got on the wrong plane, okay, great. It's over. You know, you're done. You're dead. Yes. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Right. Yeah. And and then I think about people like you, dude, that like go and go and go and, you know, just never stop and nothing ever happens to you. And I feel like an idiot, dude, like to be honest with you. <laughs> but that's how fear works, you know. So I, I'll take that as an opportunity to know that the fear can be dispelled. And uh, yeah, several dozen flights. I think I've had that many in my whole life. And uh, just real quick, uh, not to take your thunder or anything, but like just 
You made me think of one other quick thing. The last time I was on an airplane was right before the Cedar Fires in San Diego, California. You probably don't know about that, but there was the first big major fire in San Diego. I used to live in Southern California, and uh, 3,000 people lost their homes. We got evacuated to, we had to go to Mexico because there was no place else to go. The roads going north and east were completely jammed up, so we found somebody in Mexico we could stay with and drove down to Mexico. But I was on an airplane just before that, and uh, when I got on it for the first time in 11 years, there was a guy sitting next to me that, you'll get a kick out of this because you fly and see a lot of different people, but I was just, you know, a young stoner, you know, probably wearing a tie-dye shirt or something. And uh, this guy next to me was in a suit. He was riding and he looked really, you know, pretty official. And the moment the plane left the ground, I mean, the very moment that the wheels left the ground, instinctively, with my left hand, I grabbed his leg and squeezed it as hard as I could. I was, <laughs> I was, I was scared, dude. And don't ask me why I did that. But I grabbed this dude's leg and squeezed the shit out of it. And he looked at me, yeah. And he looked at me and he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry, man. I'm just scared, man. This, you know, I spent a long time. And it turns out he was one of the guys that orchestrates um, uh, uh, transportation for like senators and stuff like that. That was before I knew what that meant. Um, but I thought that was really cool and everything. And he was very nice. He explained everything and he, he couldn't have been more wonderful about it. But yeah, it was one of those moments that I'll never forget. <laughs> That's a huge str squeezing a stranger's, stranger's leg on the Yeah, side. yeah, yeah, totally instinctual too. That was the weirdest part. Like, I'm not sure how many psychologists it would take to figure out why I did that, but there's gotta be a reason. <laughs> uh, you know, people, like, uh, people get close on flights. It's kind of interesting how you're really like crammed into such a small space with all these people and, yeah. Uh, and you just like it, it what's weird is is like the the before the during and the after I've thought about this because the before the flight you, you like you're okay you're just like a bunch of strangers and then during the flight you sit next to each other like you talk um, you get along and then after the like touchdown and <laughs> flight's butting out and like no one wants anything to do with each other they want to just right. take their fucking luggage and leave like they're yeah. They, they don't care about that. They don't care that much about contact. They're just like, oh, I got to check into my hotel, my Airbnb, I have to, my my itinerary. I have so much shit to do, and uh, <laughs> it's like, but but during that, like you guys are actually close. During it's like a it's like a, a little family or something. Yeah, it's like a little it's like a little family. It, it, until the uh, until the bullfighting starts, and then it's time everyone on their own. You know, we're going for that door. And have you no. seen that? Have you ever experienced a crazy event in the air just out of curiosity? Like, you know, they have videos of people freaking out and masks. Nope. None of that stuff, huh? None. No. That's awesome, dude. And without talking about politics, by the way, what's the COVID scene like where you are and where you've oh. been? Tell me about uh, the experience that you've had and, and how it's gotten better or worse. Yeah, well, so, uh, you know, I was in Kiev when COVID started um, and lockdowns happened and Everything was locked down. I lived in the center of Kiev, and mostly um, Westerners and like wealthy locals lived in center. Uh, and so, since public transportation was closed and all the offices were closed, there was just really like very few people in the center of this 
of this metropolis of like three million people. Um, and a lot of people, they don't know Kiev is a gorgeous, gorgeous Parisian looking city. Um, like if you look up pictures online, like it's stunning and it's, and the center is still stunning. And, um, and, uh, you know, there's like these beautiful new cobblestone streets and, and new looking, just gorgeous Parisian style buildings. And then the Dnieper River is amazing. And there's a cliff that overlooks it, which is also like, it was like a 20 minute walk from where I live. Um, nice. gorgeous park, smells nice, great cafes. The cafes were closed. Um, and so, uh, during lockdown, like, I had this incredible European city kind of to myself. Wow, um, dude, that's like in, cool, in the, center, in the center, yeah, it was weird. Um, it was, it was, it was weird. Like, I would go out, cause I think it was like, it was like May or something. Um, and it was like, it was springtime in, springtime in Kiev. And the air was so fresh, and you could you could smell the pollen, you could smell the you could smell the flowers blooming, um, and it was su- it was finally sunny after winter. And I would walk down these main streets, which typically would just be deluged with people, and I'd be the only one out. And so I went. For, I had this like habit where I would go down some of the main streets, listening to to music and and just dancing in the streets, just in the middle of the day going on like crazy like dance ex- exhibitions and I I think um, the Child you know album came out it was like the white album and uh, there was this song I listened to all the time called I think 1238 and uh, man I would dance I just I would dance so much and I would go to go buy my groceries there'd be a line to get into the supermarket everyone was wearing masks of course and uh, make like the most incredible food because I love to cook and go on these nice. love walks. And then um, slowly things opened up like they did everywhere else. Uh, trains slowly came back. Mask, there were mask mandates for a while, then there weren't. Um, I think in New York, like 70, maybe 70% of people or 60% of people on the trains wear masks. Um, and here, nobody wears masks. Uh, so... Um, do they get the shot over there or do they, uh, you know, like some of us here feel that the shot is dangerous? Here in, uh, in Romania, I haven't met many, I've met more people here in Romania who have actively told me without asking that they haven't been vaccinated, um, versus, uh, but but I think a lot of people who have been vaccinated, they just they, they don't really feel the need to, to say it. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, Romania is NATO and um, it's the EU. And so I think there's probably a pretty good amount of people who have been vaccinated here. That's cool. Uh, I, I was just wondering, have you ever heard about something called shedding? No, it's that. Um, well... There's a lot of controversy and, of course, opposing viewpoints and things like that. I try to take a neutral stand um, until I can see things, of course, that validate my opinion. And, uh, you know, like any good scientist, you want to back up your hypothesis with something, right? And um, so there's something that they've determined is possible when you take the shot, and it's called shedding. And somehow or another through sexual contact and other means, whatever's in the vaccine, you can transmit some of that to other people that are not vaccinated. And What are the other means? 
Um, nasal and oral secretions, that's what it is. Um, they say that uh, if you're exposed to nasal or oral secretions, so like if you sneeze or kiss someone, you know, something wow. like that. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. And so, you know, it's a little bit... So even even before, I, 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 I don't mind saying that I was vaccinated, but even before I got vaccinated, I was getting... I was getting yeah. the vaccine in me. That's make, make making out with some chick, yeah. Um, but but there's other parts of it too that are a little bit puzzling. They say that like the the spike protein. They talk about this thing called the spike protein um, that's used in the vaccine. That comes from the AIDS virus, man. That's that's on the books, dude. Like they they are literally everybody that got vaccinated has a little bit of the AIDS virus in them now. I swear to God, it's true. You can look it up. Interesting. Um, yeah, and stuff like that. And then I talked to some guy at Pfizer. I, I work at TurboTax in the season, and um, I get to talk to a lot of interesting people. And one of them that called was a high up at Pfizer, and he was a really nice guy and everything, but he was adamant. He was like, nope, there's no problems. No, if there was a problem, I would know about it. Yeah, that's all I needed to hear, man. But yeah, to me, it's just so sketchy, you know, and I... Um, I don't trust them, you know what I mean? Like anybody that wants to do anything to my body, I just don't trust them. It was the first time I actually kind of had a real understanding of what women meant by my body, my right, you know? And Oh, sure. I never really thought about that before. You know, I'm pro-choice, but you know, if you need to do what you gotta do, go for it, but don't use it as birth control. But the reality is that, yeah, man, like, I mean, life is kind of fragile, so to mess with it, in such a large scale to me is scary in itself that's what kind of fears me about it is you know what's is it really the motivation of helping us or is it something else is the question i have but you know we won't know that i guess and some of us will never find out and others will never know i'll tell you, I'll tell you it's, it's such a strange it's such a strange virus because um i have uh i you know i have a lot of friends who are very who are very pro-vax and Mm -hmm. pro and pro mandate and then i also have friends who are um anti-vaxxers as well who just they don't they, they don't want to be forced to put it they believe in vaccines but they don't want to be forced to put this in their body and um i have uh i have, I have one friend i won't say this this person's name or gender yeah. um this person was anti anti-vax and had uh was opposed to the vaccine mandates and didn't get vaccinated and um and and has like one of the healthiest immune systems out of anybody that i know this person never gets sick and um just never gets sick and and is always like naturally uh just naturally very healthy and good looking and um it's smart and eats well like it has like the closest like just has the most incredible genetics um and so this person like really didn't believe in these vaccines and and went on a trip somewhere in the world um and then uh came back to the u.s and got really fucking sick and oh, um, and i was and, and this person never gets sick and it was um it was and, and this and, and like so and this person would tell me like i've start i've started changing my perspective now on the vaccines like what I thought about this virus and like 
Now I'm having. I, I won't get too deep into it. I don't want to. I don't want to dox this person. No, no, no. But, but uh, it was. It was very. It was very strange hearing that because this person was pretty adamant before before getting sick. And um, you know, and then conversely, I have I have other friends who who never get sick. I actually, before getting vaccinated, I think I got COVID uh, four times or something. But none of it was, yeah. But none of it was really serious. The first time I got it, I lost my sense of smell and taste for three days. I got it in Kiev, and then I think I got it maybe two or three more times after that, and it was never very serious, I guess, because I had it before. But then, you know, you know people who who have gotten it, who have gotten really sick. You know, people who, who whose friends and families have died. So it's just like the strangest things, and like I personally, I just I don't even under I don't I don't I don't understand how it works. Like you think you you think you understand how it works, and then you hear a story like my friend getting so sick when this person never gets sick, and you're just like, what the what the fuck, dude? And that's the funniest thing. Like um, I'm I'm moderately to well healthy I guess I'm certainly not in the peak shape of my uh, 50 years of life but this, this person is peak like if you met this person yeah. and talked to this person you'd be like what the fuck like I didn't I didn't realize right I didn't I didn't realize human pains like this well what I was kind of driving at is I got sick too man but it was just before COVID came out so like before they started talking about it I got sick for like two weeks and it was really, really, really gnarly, dude. It, it was definitely it. Like when they described the symptoms, oh shit, yeah, that's what that is. That's a funny story. I was, I was, uh, I was in Lviv in Western. So this was like a month before COVID, and I was in Western Ukraine um, in this beautiful city, like considered like uh, the Prague of, of Ukraine or something. Um, beautiful old town and. Um, I was uh, I was with this girl at, at her apartment. We were having wine, and she was like, "Have you heard about this uh, this new flu that's coming out of China that everyone's talking about? It's, it's, yeah. it's called coronavirus." I'm like, "No." She's like, "She's like, oh yeah, the news is saying like it's it's huge. Like it's like people are predicting flights to get canceled and and like the, the world to shut down and everyone's freaking out." And I'm and I and I, I told her. I told her with such with such certainty. I'm like, and I never, I hadn't heard of it at, at that point. And I'm like, and I'm like, listen, I know how the news works. This is gonna, this is, there's everyone's talking about this for like for now, and then two weeks after this, no, no one's gonna be talking about it. Like, we're all gonna not even remember it. Oh, and dear. Like, how so, and I'm of that. Yeah, how wrong was I? How and wrong I, you were, yeah. And I, and, I, and I didn't pay attention to it at all after that. And I think I was in Lviv for a couple more weeks, and then I flew into Kiev, and people on, on the flight were wearing masks. And I'm like, what? Like, it wasn't a lot. It was maybe like maybe like 5%. No, like even like 3% of the flight was, was wearing masks. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, people, like, really? Like, people are taking... This, this, this yeah. thing, and and then and then the entire world should. Everyone's like, yo, something you gotta be concerned about. And, yeah, dude, uh, it's weird. Man. Life changed. Yeah, uh, yeah, it sure did. You know what? Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of K-pop 
or J-pop, you know, uh, Korean pop music. Or just about every day. My favorite, my favorite genre of music. Dude, me too, man. K-pop is just <laughs> shit. I like girl groups, especially, of course. They're so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. The Korean people are just beautiful. Um, but K-pop, I've been into for a number of years, and I remember seeing people in Korea wearing masks way before this coronavirus thing ever came out. So it's like... Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a fashion statement. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird, dude, how things work out. <laughs> So how do you, um, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, like, how do you support all of this travel and, like, what do you do? You must have a, a side hustle, a gig, an endowment or something. Like, I mean, how do you do all this good stuff? Yeah, so um, so my current project now is this project called Commit Club uh, where you commit to a daily habit. Um, you, you stake money on your ability to do a daily habit or challenge, like, we're ideal for 30-day challenges, and I love that. And you make money when people fail their challenges. So every day that you do, yeah, crazy. So, so like, the way that – I'll, I'll tell you about my backstory, but yeah, the way yeah. that Big Club works is, is, like, you literally say, like, okay, I want to I reduce my anxiety. I heard that gratitude challenges are really good for this, and I'm going to do a 30-day gratitude challenge to make being grateful a habit. I'm going to write down three things every day. I want to incentivize myself to do this every day because it's so important to me. So I'm going to put down money on this. And so you put down like a hundred bucks and you do it for 30 days. And every day that you, that you actually write these things, you get a portion of your, an equal portion of your hundred dollars back. And if you miss a day, you lose whatever you haven't earned back. And that money gets distributed to everybody who's successful. So every day that you check in, you get your own money back and the money from people who have failed. And so it's like, it's literally like it's free <laughs> if you complete your challenge. You get everything back and you get the money from the people who failed. And um, my whole thing is like, I, I, used to, I used to have like crippling social anxiety, be uh, I, I'm, I'm like super skinny and, um, and my, like my diet wasn't great and like, and I, I was just, it was like, I was in my early, very early 20s and I'm just like, I, I can do better than this. Um, and I started doing 30 day challenges and uh, I did 30 day challenges around being social, around, around meditating or around going to the gym. And, and I internalized all these like deep habits and I'm very passionate about like people can change your life with, with habits. But um, Very cool. Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to dive into that a little bit more here in a few. I'd love to, yeah. But before that, um, before that, I was, uh, so in my early 20s, I made like crazy viral videos. I've had like hundreds of millions of views on my videos. Uh, I've gone on like some of the biggest TV shows in the United States, like the Today Show 2020, Good Morning America. Wow. Um, while, while I was doing that, I was I had a stint promoting at New York City nightclub. Uh, after that, like all my friends from nightlife started getting into tech. I'm like, shit, I gotta get into tech. That's where everyone's moving. And uh, I, I taught myself SEO. Then I went to work at one of the top agencies for SEO. I had clients like ADP or P&G and uh, Fortune 50 co companies that I was doing SEO for. I started my own agency. Was doing pretty well. Um, and then some of my mentors were like, were like, yo, crypto is like the biggest thing. Like you got to get into this. It was like 2017. <laughs> and I ended up running the biggest blockchain meetup in the world and, um, creating the very first, like what it's called play to earn, but 
you could think of it as like a video game, like the, the first real video game in crypto, because I was a big Pokemon fan growing up, and we're like, what if you could like have Pokemon on the blockchain where you could actually sell your Pokemon for money and get and like level up and and get better like there we didn't actually have pokemon they were called um ethereans in the game the monsters and it was like yeah it was like pokemon the blockchain first play to earn game and uh wow. i did that started traveling so that's awesome yeah. man wow so there is money in cryptocurrency <laughs> yeah yeah some some people are, are some people are fortunate not to lose everything though i've i've also lost my my fair share okay uh, Unfortunately, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's bound to happen, I guess. Um, that's just how it is. So, what's next for you? Will you stay in Romania, or will you continue to travel? Like, um, you seem like you like to get around, and you've got a lot of things to offer the world. Like, what will you do next? Well, that's a very kind, uh, kind compliment. Um, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Rome next month. Um, I've never been to Italy before. Uh, I'm actually kind of regretting my decision to go to Rome because um, I'm like hyper productive here in Bucharest. I have like the most stable life, and uh, like all I'm doing is like working, making fresh food with the farmers from with the farmers market produce, um, and and like hanging out with new friends from here and. Um, and then friends from the U.S. who are visiting, but like it's really like stable, and I'm getting so much done. And the reason why I'm not looking forward to going to Rome is because I think I'm going to get very little work done. It's like I'm going to be in Rome for several weeks, and I'm going to be living next to the main train station. So I'll be doing like weekday trips to to Florence and to Bologna, and and wow. like seeing every like seeing everything that Rome has to offer, going to incredible restaurants. And, and and I'm just like and I'm just like ah oh, but I want to work and I'm if if I'm trying to work I'm gonna feel this like crazy FOMO and um and then I have all, like all these meetings lined up with like really cool connected people that I can't wait to talk to and um the, where where I'll have like these amazing mind blowing conversations but um. But like uh, I did that, I did that for three months before Bucharest in New York, and uh, the amount of work that I got done in my first three weeks in Bucharest was more than I got done in three months being back in New York after being gone for three years. And um, I'm in like such like heads down work mode. I don't want to interrupt the flow state. So, uh, but I, I like I'm complaining about going to live in Rome, so I'm being a little. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, who is this guy? What the, what the heck? What the heck? No, you got nothing to worry about there. You'll have a great time. It sounds like that's amazing. Very cool. But is Romania going to be home base for you, or are you just kind of do you go from one place to the other, not knowing what's next? No, I want to have. A, I actually want want to have a home base. I also really like Warsaw, um, and maybe I would go back to Warsaw at some point. Uh, Warsaw Poland. is in yeah, in Poland. Um, and I have a, so many friends because a lot of my friends from Ukraine, they, they, you know, of course they left Ukraine and, and now they're living in Poland. They're living in Krakow and in, uh, and in Warsaw. Uh, Warsaw? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would go, maybe I would go there. Um, but I don't know. I, I like, I like the city a lot. It's a city, it, it feels a lot like Kiev to me, but a lot smaller, but it has like, it, it, this crazy diversity of architecture, wonderful people in restaurants. Um, uh, 
very you know European city and it's just a city that has everything and that's also why I love Kiev so much. Kiev had like everything times a million though. Kiev was like the craziest god like in this, in this city but uh, and then after after Rome I'm actually gonna go and live in uh, in uh, Barcelona for around like two months. Beautiful dude. Wow what's your astrological sign if you don't mind me asking? I don't. I'm a Leo. I'm a lion. Right on, man. One of my uh, very best friends is uh, unfortunately passed away in a drummer in bands for years and years as a Leo. Great, great sign, man. Like, I can see why now you're all about the adventure, um, or at least ast astrologically speaking. You know, I'm not an astrologer, but I'm kind of one of those people that likes to use astrology as a roadmap, and so you fit that dynamic, I think, of a Leo really well. I'm a Sagittarius. Are you? I don't know much about Sagittarius's, uh, but from what I know about, I actually, I didn't used to believe in astrology, and then, like, I just, keep, people kept telling me descriptions of Leos, and I'm like, oh, shit, like, that really is me, like, maybe there's really something to this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now, like, I kind of think that it's, like, very accurate. Yeah, it's really amazing. I have this book called The Secret Language of Birthdays, and if you look up your date of birth, it, it, it's uncanny like I've never met someone that hasn't looked up their birthday and didn't say wow yeah it's fucking weird it's fucking yeah. weird and I'm, I remember when I was in New York City nightlife I would be like <laughs> they'd be like they'd, they'd be like like what's your sign like why are you like what's your sign they'd tell me like these things about my sign mm -hmm. and be like that's like a load of like mm -hmm. <laughs> like and, and and like as I've gotten older I'm just like I'm just like like fuck this just, like, there's something to this like I don't know and I've become so spiritual because I've been meditating every day for the last 12 years and I'm, I'm just like yeah you know there has to be like more to life than the CI mm -hmm. uh, definitely I think, I think there's a lot to it man so what yeah. are the what marks of a Sagittarius mm, very gregarious and outgoing and I'll never forget the first day or the first time I ever heard that word gregarious I didn't even know what it meant you know but I guess that's me and uh, I was on a BART train in San Francisco with my girlfriend and we were, you know, being romantic and whatnot. It was in college and uh, I joke around a lot and I tend to draw attention wherever I go if I choose to. And so I was drawing attention, just being funny. And uh, this guy in a suit across the way, he goes, you know, you're the most gregarious person I've ever seen. Wow. So I was like, oh, wow, cool. Thanks, man. I had no idea. I had to look it up when I got home. Um, but that was before the internet too, so I had to use a real damn dictionary, but um, it's okay. Uh, so very outgoing. Um, I think that with all signs, there's good and bad. Like there's people on the light and dark side of things, and I'm very much on the light. And so like even like my DJ name, if I was to have one, not, I'm not a DJ, but if I was to ever play in public and had to have a name, I have a band that I've created that's really cool but I would be called The Light, like that's me, oh, like right. The Light, and one of my music projects was uh, something based on my ancestry in France, and I called it uh, Zadik Sun et Lumiere, which is French for um, sound and lights, and they have a very famous, I'm sure you've heard of it, and if not, you need to go to it, dude, because you could probably pull this off, but they have a big event every year, I believe, where it's like the festival of sound and lights, and France and they shine lights and do all these crazy things and it's really bitching with music and like that's what kind of got me thinking about that but but anyway so both sides of the uh, spectrum you know and um, 
I find myself to be one in the world where I tend to believe that everyone's good. I believe in the goodness yeah, of people. Too. Yeah, it's me one too. of the reasons. One of the reasons you and I are talking right now is because of that that belief. And honestly, starting to lose faith in some of it because of what I was seeing, and also being in isolation and depression. I struggled with oh, that. Man. You know, depression's a bummer, dude. Like when you get hooked on that drug, like it's you need a little help getting off. You we know? should do. We should do another one of these where we just talk about like. Because, dude, I could go on about meditation and positive habits, but because I, yeah. I actually was first, I overtrained when I got when I got into fitness. Mm-hmm. I did what's called overtraining, which um, fucks with I think your hormones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in this state where like the world was completely gray and devoid of color. And uh, yeah, and it was I, I didn't want to get out of bed, and um, I haven't felt like that in over ten years now. I just through like like these positive ha- habits that I built up never mm-hmm. taken antidepressants or anything and I yeah like uh, I'm very very passionate about hey about, uh, like, medic- you said you were taking antidepressants no 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 I've never never took any antidepressants oh see and that's just it's funny that you say that dude because um I've been taking them for a while but I'm trying to get off I take medicine called Lexapro and uh I stopped taking it like two weeks ago, almost three weeks ago, and then experienced crazy withdrawal symptoms, like off the charts, oh. like I was I was crying for no reason. I was sitting, yeah. here with, sitting here with my buddy, watching a rap video, and something about it made me, made me cry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's really weird. So like, I, I'm with you, dude. I believe in nature and stuff, but like I got off track because I got lost in life and I've been through some pretty crazy things that really messed my head and heart up badly, actually. And it took some help in many years of uh, trying to get over it, you know what I mean? And that's just how it is. But, yeah, I agree with you. We could, I would really enjoy having a uh, mental health uh, podcast episode with you that talks about meditation. And quite frankly, I could use the reminder myself. Um, I used to meditate a lot, too, and I just haven't, man, and it's hard to close my eyes except for when I sleep and to turn off the brain seems like something really different in today's world. It was so much easier when there wasn't a bunch of digital devices in the room. Um, for some reason, to me at least, you know, you had to seek your entertainment, you know, back in the day and it made it so much easier to want to go inward, you know. So, yeah, I would enjoy exploring that with you, dude. It'd be fun. Yeah, man, for sure. Um so let me ask you this, um, out of all this time that you spent traveling the world, you've been in New York, uh, there's a couple of questions that are coming to mind. First one really quick is, have you lived anywhere else in the United States or have you been anywhere else in the United States? Yeah, um, you know, I've more than been to New York, like I was born... Uh, I don't mean it that way, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> So you're like literally New York is my home. That's where I grew up. Cool. Where I go back to where my family is. But um, yeah, I did this thing uh, called the Gumball 3000 in 2012, which is 3,000 <laughs> miles driven. You know, have you heard of it? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So I, I did. I did that. It's it's for those who haven't heard of it. It's uh, 3,000 miles driven in. Um, I think it's actually six days, not even seven days. Mm-hmm. And. Um, that went all across North America, uh, nice. and it was a crazy, crazy time. Um, like, like the Cannonball Run, kind of. Like the Cannonball Run, yeah. 
uh, and um, and you know during viral videos, different people like we would get we were flown out to LA all the time. Um, it was just my family would take me when I was growing up, take me around the United States. So I've seen I've seen a lot of it. Um, okay, but the only place the only place I've actually lived lived uh, has been Boston because I went to school there, I went to college there, and I've lived there. I went to theater school, and uh, so like filmmaking, theater. Um, Filmmaking, theater, TV school, and I lived in Boston for four years. Right on. So, uh, it, was, it was interesting that you told me that uh, you were an audio engineer because I have so many friends from college who are also audio engineers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been doing music for gosh, 25, 30 years almost. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just one of those things I really like. Um, to be honest, I'd like to engage some of these strategies to put some. Um, revenue behind that because I've been doing it as a hobby but I've never turned it into revenue but I've got I'll show it to you outside of the call but like I've got something really marketable very marketable and you know the music is pretty darn unique and you know all that I just uh, quite frankly I got started and things were really great and I got to a point where I was like holy shit this is moving way too fast for me I don't really understand what I'm doing I'm gonna stop and that was probably the biggest mistake I ever made with regard to that. Oh um, man, that's that's actually that was a realization. That's that's like the one of the main reasons why we created our our app Commit Club. Because and I realized this going back to New York, but just like so many people, uh, like they get psyched out about like the road to success. Mm-hmm. And they don't stick with things, and they abandon things that otherwise would have been lucrative and successful. Um, whereas, like, if you stick with the lane and you stick with that for just a couple of years, like, you will see traction. And uh, oh, it's so, like that—that that was like one of my biggest lessons in life. It's like you'll stick with things longer. It's, like, just just stick with it. Like, amazing things will come your way if you just stick with it. And how do you pass certainty? How do you know you're on the right track when you're sticking with something? Um. One, you have to you, you you constantly have to have the bigger the bigger vi- vision in mind. Uh, like you you have to be able to see that. But also, like there are there are minor adjustments that you'll make along the way. Um, like like we're putting in features into our app that we didn't expect to, to put in. We're doing things that we didn't expect. Um, but but like sticking with a project you you fine tune it you fine tune your pitch you fine tune your 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 market you find out who's really interested and i think honestly like if like i think if someone's stuck with a project for 10 years let's say 10 years let's say 5 years someone stuck with a project for 5 years and they couldn't get traction in in 5 years and they were working like decently hard in it I just don't even think that's like I, I don't I, I don't even see that as a possible the way that my mind works is I don't even see that as a possibility because yeah. if you're actually active in talking to people about it that's the only that's the only thing that would make it that would make it fail if you weren't active in talking to people about it then you know you might not have that serendipity that makes you successful but if okay. you're going out you're and you're doing things like I'm doing right here or you're talking to people like you will find people who resonate with the vision who resonate with your niche who will put you on. And, and, and you'll learn things because by just being in that niche for so long and, and you'll be able to, it's just called iteration, like make deliberate improvements. Um, 
and smart improvements, and, and then you'll make it. And uh, that's my like that's what that's what I, I only realized that over the last like year. I mean, and if it was something that I realized, God, like life would be so so much. Life is crazy already, and I'm fucking I'm fucking lucky. But it'd be like a hundred x crazier if if yeah. I knew that, you know, at at, at 22. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. You know, um, there's a question I've been thinking about, but you're the perfect person to ask. And uh, it's the first time I've asked this question in my podcast, but it's kind of an important one. And you're actually the perfect one. You're like a social scout. In my mind, it's like you're a scout. You've been out in the world. You've been everywhere and all over the place. And you've met and seen and experienced so many different types of people. Tell me a couple of things. Um... What makes you feel connected to people, first of all? Uh, and how do you get to know them? Like, you've met a lot of new friends and stuff. How do you feel a connection, in your opinion? And what do you do to get to know somebody, just to kind of help people see how that works in your life? Because you've got a lot of experience in that area, and I'm just kind of wondering, because it's, you know, multi-continent and all throughout the yeah. U.S., you know, you've got some interesting ideas. Well, dude, I've met tens of thousands of people because I, I used to be one, like, running different meetups before the blockchain meetup. I threw the New York City search engine optimization meetup. And, um, and like, uh, you know, I said I had crippling social anxiety. Uh, and I said, I don't need to be like this. I'm going to just try to meet one new person a day and, like, push my comfort zone. Like, just talk to someone new, say hi. Um, and uh, and then like it, then it was like three people a day, then it was like five people a day, and I would do that for a while, and um, and it, like I over time really decreased my my social anxiety. Uh, cool. But yeah, so I met a lot of people. But but how do I how do I get to know people? How do I feel people? Um, yeah. I think I actually naturally have a lot of uh, EQ. I, I naturally have a lot of emotional intelligence and empathy. Um, like a ton of empathy. Like when someone that I'm talking to is sad, like it's very hard for me to not feel that. Yeah. Uh, and um, so th I think like naturally I, I bond and I feel, I just feel other people. I just feel them um, because like that's the way that, that's the way that I'm wired. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's why like, I, I don't know, liars say they never lie, scammers say they never scam, but like I can't, I literally just can't. And, and, uh, because it's just like it. It. I, I feel other people too much. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, I just genuinely, you know, I thought when I was in high school I was bullied. I thought I was an introvert. And then in college I went to a college with other people who are weird like me because you know theater school, film school has a lot of weird people, and I'm a weird person too, so I don't mind saying that it was great we were all weird together yeah and yeah. and then i realized no I, I i i got more confident and then i realized no i'm like maybe not an introvert but maybe somewhere in the middle yeah and then it was actually during covid um i would do video chats with strangers over the service called lunch club um mm -hmm. and uh, after every video chat with a random stranger we would do it for like an hour or 90 minutes after every video chat i felt energized and I'm like, oh shit, like, that's how extroverts feel. Like, I think I just love people. I get energy. Yeah, right. I get energy right. to talk to people. Yeah, I can do uh, it, dude. Me too. That, in fact, that's why, dude, that's why I started, that's why I'm like, oh, I should be doing a podcast. Because it's like, okay, I can meet people on Lunch Club and like, yeah, like, it, like, 
or I can meet, I can, you know, uh, do virtual networking from Romania and like, that's cool. But I can also do it on podcasting, which will have more of an influence and, right. uh, and an impact. So it's like, it's like two birds with one stone because I'm getting to satisfy my social craving, uh, doing calls like this. Um, and then I'm also getting to like spread like what I'm about. And, uh, right. yeah, I love it. I love right. it. So I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think you can develop empathy as well, uh, by just meeting enough people, talking to enough people, like really caring about them, learning about them and working on your mind, meditating, practicing gratitude, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, do you think there's yeah. a lack of empathy in society today? I think there's always been a lack of empathy. In fact, um, I mean, I, I, I actually come from the mindset that society is better than it's ever been. Uh, like, we don't have people getting tortured in the streets. Like, there's, there's no, you know, people aren't getting hung in Times Square as a, as the as a show to the people. Like, we don't have we have people being dragged through the streets and shit. Um, <laughs> like, see, wait, 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 hold on a second though. Did you see the video the, just the other day? of the um, $100,000 Mercedes smashing into the Kia to steal its uh, laptop in the middle of the road. Like, there's a car driving down the road. Dude, right in New York, man. Like, uh, there's a video on YouTube right now going around that this black Mercedes smashes into a gray Kia in the middle of the road in the middle of the day and floors it, you know, hits him out, you know, gets him stuck or whatever, hits the car a couple of times in the middle of the day just to get out of the car and rob them. And then they get back in the Mercedes and take off. Must have been some crazy shit on that laptop. Like, Dude, uh, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure it was not normal. I'm listening. I, was, I, can, I can tell you it's not a normal laptop. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. It had, had some info or, or crypto or whatever, but... Um, I mean, I, I still like, like, I still think like, look, even if someone gets canceled and they have their life removed from the internet, they can't access like social media. There's, there's ways around that and stuff like, um, and, and at least you're not getting, at least you're not getting killed. At least you're not getting tortured. And like, like even probably like a hundred years ago, like, like a lot more people were just being put to death randomly and shit and, and totally. um, so we're, we're healthier we're more knowledgeable we're I think in, it, I don't know if we're happier happiness is relative but um, I don't even remember how we got on this question but I, I yeah I come I come from the mindset that like we're, we're better than we've been in, in the past it's a perspective choice it sounds like you know you can live your life to look at things in a positive way or you can live your life to look at things in a negative way right it is a choice isn't it yeah i mean dude so many people uh there's so many videos on youtube about this but like every generation thinks they're the last generation and um they're like oh like this is the end of the world you don't get it like they would say to their parents, like, no, this time it's, it's really coming. You don't get it. And then it doesn't come. And then the new generation says it's event. And, um, and I'm just like, I'm just like, no, I think like we're, we'll be around for a while, but let's take it. Let's take good care of everything that we have and, um, and make even, even a brighter future. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I, I have a positive lens on a lot of things in our world. 
That's beautiful, man. And speaking of which, let's uh, close this off talking about Commit Club. Um, I'd like to find out a little more about that and how we can help other people take your 30-day challenge. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, just uh, you can Google 30-day challenge builder or, uh, or or go to the Commit Club site and 30-day challenge is right there in the footer. Because um, the 30-day challenge is like... Uh, the 30 challenge is how to take on any any like positive habit. If you do something every day for 30 days, like the first couple of days, it will require a, a lot more willpower. After that, it requires less willpower. And then um, at the end of the 30 days, if you've done it every day, it's really a habit. And uh, there are so many, you could just small chunk habits like meditate for like 10 minutes every day keep it really small do like 20 minutes of daily focused work or a simple gratitude challenge or like drink a big glass of water every morning like um and uh and i and i'm just like if people actually did 30-day challenges it would it would change the world and and people would become better and better people make a better society and make more happy people and um so like you can do it. You don't have to stake money on uh, on your ability to do a challenge. You can also do it for free, um, and uh, and you can share the challenge with friends and families so they keep you accountable. So I would just say, like, if, if you're if you're interested, if this is something like you want to try, like, search 30 Day Challenge Builder or go to CommitClub.co and uh, give it a shot. So let me ask you then: Why do people not do these sort of things? What's the uh, reason that you found? Uh, why people don't engage in these types of change, you know, because I mean, honestly, it sounds like it's a really simple process if you just make small changes in your everyday activities and develop habits. And I know from my own learning that that's true. You can reprogram your entire brain, you know. Yeah, you can reprogram everything. And I, I'm literally living, walking proof of that. Um, I think there needs to be, you know, we're moving we're moving this way um and i think there's gonna be a point where commit club is like in the right place at the right time um perfect but i i like i think uh there needs to be a societal movement towards um towards like self-development and challenges and if you actually look at google trends for 30-day challenge it spiked during covid and now it's back down but i think um i like there's more funding than ever going into health and wellness um, and I think we're, and self-care is, is a thing. And, um, I think we're heading towards that societal sh shift where people actually are like, oh shit, I don't have to be like this. And, um, I can get out of this funk. I can go see the world. I can go talk to that person. Um, I can go start this side, this side business. Uh, and I could small chunk it, and if this person can do it, then I can do it. And I think we're we're heading towards that societal movement, which will push a lot of people into doing 30-day challenges. And I definitely want to be one of those people who's pushing society that way too. So, so that's like kind of my mission right now. It's like um, let's all let's all jump on a 30-day challenge. Like do something really simple. Like whoever you are, I believe in you. Yeah. Everybody believes in you. Mm -hmm. Todd believes in you. 
definitely, definitely. And we do. I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, I think we all as humans, I mean, those of us that are good humans, want the best for our fellow man and woman. You know, it's like, why would you want anything less than the best for someone else? You know, what? Yeah, that's how I feel. What's up with that? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get it. And, yeah, you know, when there's you, a lot of angry people out there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we don't want to rage about that. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Another day. But, um, there's, you know, uh, I know that there's people that are willing to do certain things because of just how they're wired, but then maybe there's distractions and things. Um, obviously, social media is probably one of the bigger ones, but what would you say maybe are a couple of distractions people can watch out for that get in the way of progress when they want to make change? Uh, that's a great question. I have a, uh, I have a Google Chrome extension that blocks my Facebook newsfeed. Um, yeah, that's been, that's actually been tremendous. And my YouTube, and my YouTube feed, because I get very distracted with YouTube recommends. Right. Uh, cause YouTube always recommends very entertaining videos for me. Yeah. So I have, me so, too. so I, in order for me to actually get YouTube recommends, I actually have to manually like turn it off. And when you turn it off, it gives you an option. Turn it off for five minutes, 10 minutes, like 15 minutes. And that's like, that's great. But like, I noticed a huge impact on my mental health when I turned off, um, the the Facebook uh, the Facebook newsfeed uh, that that was really big for me um, and uh, I don't know like uh, I think go for walks leave your phone at home I like uh, phones are the most incredible invention of, of like the century that smartphones are just like so freaking crazy but also like I mean you're not we're not supposed to have our entire everyone that we've ever met in our lives and all the information in the world we're not supposed to walk around with that all the time we're literally we were we weren't built that way right and um so like here like 30 day challenge go for a 15 minute walk every day where you leave your phone at home that like that 30 day challenge alone i mean how are people going to time it uh use it use the watch but like that 30 day challenge will make such a huge difference in people's life. Do it every day and mm -hmm. like don't miss a day. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a technology entrepreneur. I love technology, but, but it's like you also need to know it's like candy. Candy's great in moderation. <laughs> Ice cream is great in moderation. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're not, you're not supposed to have it like all the freaking time. That's and right. uh, I feel I actually feel the same way about about technology. So cool, man. Very cool. Anything that we might have missed or anything that you'd like to add to this that uh, would be helpful for our listeners today? Um, yeah, if you resonated with what I with what I'm saying, uh, please give uh, Commit Club a try or feel free to contact me on Twitter. I'm at Edward underscore Sturm and uh, my DMs are open. Okay, and it's Edward Sturm, S-T-U-R-M, is that right? That's right. Awesome, man. Very cool. So commitclub.co will take them to the website to see what the Commit Club is about. And honestly, I'd like to invite everybody to take a look at that as well because it just sounds great. And, you know, myself included, um, I could probably have answered my own question. I think laziness uh, is part of what keeps us from doing more and uh you know that's something it sounds like you found a way to to combat yeah i hope so i, I very much believe in like staking money on like you it, 
having like your friends to hold you accountable or just being held accountable through loss aversion is really powerful. It's a version of burning the boat. You put a hundred dollars down on your ability to go for a 15 minute walk without your phone every day or like $500, I don't know, it's all relative, but like you're gonna do it if, it, if it's enough money. And you're gonna be like so thankful that you did it. So um, that's, that's what I'm about, yeah. That's awesome, very cool. Edward, this has been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you, Todd, thanks for having me. This is great, let's do it again. Right on. Oh, dude, definitely, yeah. I really appreciate your approach and you have the perfect personality for this. I really uh, look forward to speaking to you again. I know we will again soon. Awesome. All right. See you, Todd. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the ToddCast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. 